Welcome to the Firehouse Forum podcast. We're at episode 14. Hard to believe we've gotten this far. We are excited today to be talking to a couple people who are associated with the upcoming Firehouse production of Preludes. It's a musical fantasia by composer Dave Malloy, who you may know from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, recently a big hit on Broadway. And this is his follow-up show to that. It had a short run at, at uh, Lincoln Center. And we're doing it here at Firehouse with a blockbuster cast. Georgia Rogers Farmer, PJ Freeborn, Travis West, Jody Ashworth, many uh, great actors, singers, and uh, we're really excited about it. We're also in a space where there's not a whole lot of new shows opening right now. So we're going to start the uh, drum roll for Preludes, get you excited about that. It opens at the end of May. The press opening is May 26th, and then it will run for four weeks after that. So please uh, make your plans now to come see Preludes. We'll be talking to Susan randolph Braden. She is our music director, and her personal story is pretty interesting. And uh, we'll talk to her for a little bit. And then also our resident stage manager, Colin Lindsay, We'll be here talking about stage management in general, but then also specifically stage managing preludes. Uh, One small piece of housekeeping to get through coming up in July, July 29th, we'll be doing our first one-day seminar. It's a jazz seminar that will be happening on that Sunday. It's going to be this great opportunity to work with and to hear from a real jazz impresario, uh, Anthony Dowd. We'll be starting at three o'clock on that Sunday and from three to six thirty we'll do a seminar and then we'll do a oh I'm sorry, from three to five thirty we'll be doing a seminar and then we'll break for dinner. You'll have dinner here at the firehouse. And then starting at seven there will be a concert, a jazz concert with some of Anthony Dowd's friends and colleagues. And so that should be a great opportunity to learn about jazz and also hear some great jazz. That's on Sunday, July 29th. So sign up for that now. But for right now, we're going to get into our conversations with Susan and Kalin. We're here with Susan Braden. Do you keep the Randolph in there? I know it's Susan Randolph Braden. Do you um, want to... If I'm around my parents, I'd like to. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> in case Susan's name. parents are listening, this is Susan randolph Braden. She is the music director for Preludes here at Firehouse. And she came to Richmond in about 2013. Is that about right? Um, 2010? 20, somewhere in the 2010, 2013. 2010. Okay. Um, I was, during that time, I was still traveling back to Roanoke. Okay. That's, I was their music director for a few things there, too, in the transition time as we were moving here. Okay. So. Because I knew you were with you were with uh, Mill Mountain Theater for right. several years, um, mm-hmm. and then you came to Richmond. So has a long career in music. Grew up in Arkansas. I sure did. And this seems to can be, you tell? <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be the month of Arkansas. I mean, River Ditty appropriate, right? We're, are about Arkansas, so. It's a celebration of your hometown. Oh, goodness. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have you studied music education and voice performance at Houston Baptist University. Uh, you studied music education and voice at... Washita. Washita. With Baptist an O. University. It's okay. Washita. You're actually 
were born the same year that I was born. So we have that in common. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what brought you to Richmond? Ooh, that would be my husband's job. Oh, okay. It's nice to be married to someone who can support my hobbies. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, we have moved all over the country basically for his job, but we believe that it's it's put me in different places as far as entertainment and as far as church and using performance in church from Houston to Los Angeles to Memphis to Roanoke now to Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've traveled around and, and he's very supportive of what I do. He sings a little bit. He was in productions in oh, high school and, mm-hmm. and college. And uh, every once in a while I've had to pull him in for some high school things that I've helped with. Okay. I think one of his favorite performances was I called him in to do Mushnik in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> nice. He likes to talk about that. <laughs> That's great. Do we have a role for him in Preludes? Can we pull no, him? Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved with Preludes specifically? Wow. Well, I, I'll back up. I, I intended to come to Richmond and stay in hiding, a little bit of uh, self-imposed retirement, if you will. But when uh, Billy Christopher said something about this, and then I talked to Joel about this, who I hadn't met before this opportunity, this is a fantastic piece. And I don't see it being grabbed up by a lot of theater companies mm-hmm. regionally because it's so difficult. Yeah. This score is frightening. I'm amazed that we were able to pull together the people that we have to be able to to do the show the way that we're going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting. Yeah. I'm thrilled that we have Travis because at one time I had to look at the score with all of the Rachmaninoff mm-hmm. pieces and see if I could play it. <laughs> right. And my short little stubby finger cannot reach the octave and a half for sure. So it would be all rolled chords and most of them would probably be wrong. So we were absolutely thrilled uh, to be able to find Travis uh, to do the actual Rachmaninoff playing. Vocally, it's it's a combination of classical with uh, uh, Russian pronunciation, (laughs) which you don't find in your basic Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Right. Uh, so it was, um, as a voice teacher, it was a challenge for me, mm-hmm. uh, something that has a lot of grit mm-hmm. to it that is more than a job. This is a passion. Yeah. And this just feels like it's on the cusp of something great yeah. with musical theater. And, um, you know, with the, with the success that Dave Malloy had with Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet, you know, I really think that this is something special. Yeah. And musically, I think it's even better than the music of that show. Oh, really? So if people are familiar with that, I think that they're going to be really excited about what they hear with preludes. Yeah. Well, and so that's why I wanted to be a part of it. Oh, that's great. Well, and uh, you're m- mentioning Travis West, who mm-hmm. is interesting from kind of a theater spectator standpoint, because he's an actor and a singer and everything, but also a right. concert level pianist. It's yes. like you don't find people like that around right. very easily. Uh, it's also interesting that it has prominent bass part, I guess. That's Jody's part. Mm-hmm. Classical sound 
Right. Yeah, that we were looking for. Um, and boy, does he have it. Yeah. It's been wonderful, you know, helping him discover more about where his voice is as we're working on this project, too. And yeah. I mean, he's coming from an actor perspective as well. He's not just a classical singer that he's coming in and learning to act with this piece. He mm. really is full-fledged acting and singing as well. Right. And it's it's fun to, to be able to take all of these characters and these singers and be able to pull something out of them that maybe they didn't know was there before. Yeah. That That's really the great thing about this ensemble that's in the show. Yeah. Well, you seem to be somebody who doesn't shy away from a challenge. No. <laughs> that's this, the show definitely seems to be in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that people may not know, and I hope you don't mind me talking about it, but you are currently, I don't know how to say it best, but you're working through... I don't know if I'm going to say it right. Colio, can you say? Cholangiocarcinoma. Cholangiocarcinoma. I knew I could mimic it. Cholangiocarcinoma right. is bile duct, bile duct cancer. cancer. Right. It's, um, I am actually a- warring through it right now. I have uh, been diagnosed with this a little over three years now. It's something that you don't expect. This is a cancer that no one's ever heard of. It's quite rare. My particular type of this particular bile duct cancer uh, puts me in the statistics of one in two million people getting this. So being able to find the doctors and the people who can really know what they're doing to treat has, has been uh, we we were blessed to find Memorial Sloan Kettering early in this process. However, they work well with the doctors that I have here yeah. in Richmond. So Great. it's um it's a team effort to be able to do what they're doing with me to keep me alive. Yeah. Uh, basically, this is a terminal disease. And um, when I was first diagnosed with this, I thought it was just this little pain in my gallbladder. And we went to the hospital, to the emergency room. It wasn't even that bad, but just to get an ultrasound to mm-hmm. see, you know, if that really was what it was. And it wasn't. And there were two really big, terrible tumors up inside my liver. Yikes. And at the time they said, well, we think as advanced as this is, this is going to be maybe two to six months and get your affairs in order. Oh, wow. Basically is what we were presented with. I've been through some clinical trials. And this was was three years ago. Three Three years ago. Three years ago. Not two to six months. So I am living proof that statistics are just ancient history in writing. So I believe that a positive attitude, staying busy, staying connected, um, has a lot to do with how, with, with facing any kind of physical challenge that you might have. And of course, for me, faith and prayer is a big part of that as well. But it has been a very brightening experience. Mm -hmm. Every day that I wake up, I'm just excited to wake up. And when you can start the day that way, I mean, even laundry is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's saying a lot. Yeah, I know. But um, even taking on a musical like this, it's a challenge. And I'm not saying that I would have stepped back from it uh, before cancer, but Certainly with this diagnosis, this is something that, you know, I, I've learned that I can face this other terrible challenge. Why can't I face Rachmaninoff? Maybe I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Rachmaninoff is nothing compared to that. <laughs> well, and, and it's also, from what I understand, inspired a, you've, you've turned your experience into art. Yes. In um, creating a musical called.
called Because I Can, Sir. That's it. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Well, I've been composing and arranging music since I was in college. Mm-hmm. And there was a an invitation to compose and submit an art song cycle for NATS, which is the National Association of Teachers of Singing. Oh. And I'm a part of that organization. And I thought, well, I can take some of my journal writings that I'd been writing in daily from having this cancer and see if I can turn them into classical music. Hmm. And um, I put together a 17-minute long uh, four-selection song cycle and submitted it. And, of course, it didn't win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I played and sang it for a few people, and they said, you know, I really like that. There's something there. And, oh, by the way, can you come sing for our church group? Can you come sing here and tell your story? And so those two things started to meld together. And right now I think I've just booked the 15th show of this in the last two years. We've done it in New York and in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, Louisiana, Salt Lake City, Utah, several places here and there. And And have you done the show? Doing it here in Richmond in July at St. James. I've done it at my home church, uh, Tabernacle Baptist, a few times as well when we were first getting started with it, too. Okay. So for each of those productions, you do it? It's you doing the show? It's me playing the piano and singing. One thing that I have already recorded that I'll get up and um, do this uh, medley about recurrence. Um, So I used some of the songs from the 70s that are earworms that you can't get rid of because I thought that's kind of like cancer. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and rewrote the lyrics to fit what it's like to be living with a recurring cancer. Oh, wow. uh, and it's it, it's fun. It, the show is fun. It teaches people, I hope, it teaches people that it's okay to laugh, it's okay to cry, but the more that you can learn about cancer, the less shocked you'll be when it affects Hmm. you and your family, because it's something that 40% of us are going to have here in the United States. At some point, we're going to have to deal with it. And so if we can face it with humor, and um, if we can face it with truth and a positive attitude, then, you know, we're able to live better day by day in the days that we have. Right. Wow. So in the uh, title, Because I Can, Sir? Because I Can, Sir. (laughs) You get it? Oh, God. cancer. Got it. Finally. <laughs> because wow. I I'm can. I'm a little dense. I'm sorry sir. about that. <laughs> uh, right. Oh, okay. That's great. Well, I'm very impressed. I mean, to well, turn you, something that, you know, other people can be totally sidelined and wiped out by, um, you're very vivacious and turned it into something, you know, that will probably help a lot of other people to hear well, your thank story. You. Thank you. Yeah. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Well, and uh, very excited to see what happens with Preludes. Me it's too. Very- <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. Appreciate sure. it. Sure. Right. Thank you, Dave. Hi, we're here with uh, Colin Lindsay. She is the stage manager. She's the resident stage manager at Firehouse Theater. But specifically, she is the stage manager for Preludes, the musical Fantasia that is being prepared here at Firehouse. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I guess coming in, you're like here all the time anyway, so you didn't really have to come in very far. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for walking down the hall. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Colin is a recent GMU graduate. Year in two days. Year in two days, right? Graduation. <laughs> it was just a year ago with that fresh diploma. 
you came to Richmond and you've been working fairly often here since you graduated. Isn't that true? Yeah. I, right after graduation, I went off to uh, Interlock and Arts Camp in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the heat, so I figured I'd run away for the summer. Nice, where it cool place. Above 75 degrees and yeah. it was wonderful. And I was the uh, wrecking crew manager, which basically meant I coordinated uh, when we were moving expensive, large instruments around the campus. Oh, wow. um, and when I wasn't doing that, I was at the beach. So it was a great time. Um, <laughs> and then once the camp was over in August, I came back and I started off with dressing Cloud Nine at mm. uh, Richmond Triangle Players. And after that, I stage managed the Diviners with the wonderful Zach Owen, who's a dear friend of mine. Okay. And then after that, I hopped on Pump Boys and Dinettes with uh, Fifth Wall and uh, the American Theater partnered. And now I am here. Right. With Firehouse for the 2018-2019 season, yeah. starting off with Preludes. Well, we're very happy to have you here. That's great. I'm ecstatic to be here. I love this show. <laughs> well, and so what is different in your mind to be the resident stage manager versus somebody who just comes in for a specific job? Do you have a? Do you feel more empowered to do certain things? Or? <laughs> I feel I feel more empowered, and I feel more comfortable because I get to spend more time in the space. I'm more familiar with the building. I'm more familiar with the staff mm-hmm. and I have access to, you know, more information, which means that I can e- more easily answer questions for people, which is, you know, one of the most important roles of a stage manager is right. to be able to answer questions. Yeah. Uh, so I have more power or not more power, more tools oh, at my disposal. You can say power. That's right. More, <laughs> power wasn't the word I was going for, but you said it. Right. Suddenly. <laughs> well, I think it, it's great for the theater company also to have somebody who is around and available to answer, to, to be the go-between between all the disparate parts involved That's the in goal. the production. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> right. So you mentioned Preludes specifically. What do you love about this production? I am really fascinated by shows that push the boundaries of what is music. Mm. And I like that Dave Malloy takes something, you know, classical music, a lot of people, um, you know, turn up the nose of classical music, oh, that's boring. I'm not interested in that. Right. But he takes this something that already exists and then adapts it into this new music. Every piece in this musical is adapted from something that Rachmaninoff wrote. And that's the same thing Rachmaninoff did. He borrowed pieces and bits from other composers and other, you know, art forms in general to create his music. So Dave Malloy is kind of being his own Sergei Rachmaninoff to create this show. And it's, you know, it's weird. I think people are going to (laughs) come see the show and hear songs like, you know, the whole 13 minute debacle that is the first symphony and, you know, the trip that is loop and say, well, this is not what I expected when I bought a ticket to see a musical. But then they're going to hear numbers like Natalia and they're going to hear numbers like Not Alone and feel more comfortable and feel more at home. Right. Those are the classical, more classical musical. Right. More classical musical songs. And it's interesting because it, how the audience physically reacts to songs, I think is similar to how rock, rock the character and also rock Mononoff the character, two pieces of the same puzzle, (laughs) how he is feeling in that moment. Songs like, you know, first symphony and looper frantic and different, not really, you wouldn't hear that and be like, Oh yes, that's, music right. but you hear songs like not alone in natalia and it's like this is calm this is gentle this you know has a beat that i can recognize and those are songs in which rock is at rest or rock is in a moment of calm and comfort so it's interesting how that lines up yeah well and it's 
it's drawn some very interesting and very um, talented people to the project. Goodness, uh, yes. <laughs> so how do you feel working with people like Georgia Rogers Farmer and Jody Ashworth and they, you know Travis West, like these people who are... They are absolute powerhouses. And mm-hmm. I don't think we could do this show justice without people that are as good at what they do as these people are. Mm-hmm. And they put in the time outside of rehearsal and they come in and they're ready. And, you know, they're not just good. They're superb. Yeah. They're, we've really got like the best of the best on this show and it makes my job a lot easier and a lot I don't come into this sometimes I come into into rehearsals and I'm like okay today's gonna be the day that we're doing this thing and I don't think we're gonna be ready for example today is our first uh off day off book day Mm, for uh act one Mm -hmm. and I am not worried about line notes being a nightmare because you know, they've some of them have been off book for you know days now, preparing okay. for this. Call, yeah. I mean, they can call for line when they need to, but they don't need to. They already know the lines, right. and it's helping so much with the blocking, and it's helping so much with them just being able to really embody these characters versus having their faces in the script. Yeah. So just the fact that they are all so ready to work and so ready to put this piece up and show it to people just adds life to this piece that you don't get with actors that don't prepare as much outside. So it's just, it's, it's gratifying and it's humbling and it's refreshing (laughs) to work with people that are just ready already. Awesome. Well, stage managers, not maybe this is just me, but (laughs) stage managers have a little bit of a reputation of being bossy. So (laughs) being that you're younger on the younger side and you're working with some seasoned veterans, is there, do you have any problem with like telling people to go where they have to go or I, I know, definitely clapping your hands and on set, <laughs> let's go. I definitely did it first. Um, mm-hmm. especially with, uh, diviners. I worked with a wide range range for that. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and that was my first, you know, quote unquote professional stage management gig. And I think that working with a cast as accepting as them and working with a director who I was close with as a person and also on the same wavelength with as a director really helped me create a space where I felt safe to, you know, if I messed up, I didn't feel like it was the end of the world. If I needed to be more commanding or needed Mm. to be more assertive, that was an environment in which I could explore, you know, what is too bossy? What is quote unquote bossy? What what is, (laughs) what is too authoritative? What is, you know, finding the middle ground. And I have been very fortunate so far in that I have not encountered anyone who's like, what does this 23-year-old think she's doing telling me, a 30-year veteran, how to do my job? <laughs> right. But that was definitely one of my biggest fears, jumping straight in right out of graduation is who are they going to think this kid is? Right. <laughs> creating, you know, creating these schedules and telling them where to be when and all this stuff. But in the past nine months, I think I have mostly squished that down. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And well, I think something you- I keep reminding myself is I, you know, I've been doing this professionally for right. a year. And academically, I started stage managing right. when I was a sophomore. My freshman year, I learned what a stage manager was. Um, I acted until I got to college. So I have learned to be forgiving of myself, not too okay. forgiving, because right. then I'm not doing my job. But if I slip up, I remind myself, you know what you did wrong. Don't do it wrong again. Right. And you've been doing this for five years, not 50. Yeah. Breathe, own it, and then move on. That way you can do your job more effectively. Well, it seems like professionals also appreciate professionalism in other people. So as long as you are professional and, you know, they will respond appropriately. That is the aim. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to address some things that since you're a relative newcomer, you might not be aware of. There's a 
there's some stage managers who have a reputation in town, have been like the the legendary stage managers. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Jenny Willard, Wendy Vandergrift, um, Rick Brandt. These are people you may not know. But I don't know if it's Richmond specific or theater in general. Stage managers sometimes get a reputation as, you know, they, they get respect. You know what you're getting when you get them as a stage manager. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you try to project as a stage manager, like your persona that you're trying to project into the space? Goodness. Um, I think that's still something that I'm working on developing and mm-hmm. figuring out myself, you know, what kind of stage manager am I? Am I the mom stage manager? Am I the we can't be friends outside of rehearsal mm-hmm. stage manager? Am I am I the stage manager that doesn't know what she's doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming and that's not the one you're No, going for. <laughs> I mean if that's if that's your brand as a stage manager, then you'd need to look into a new profession. <laughs> right. I think that the kind of stage manager that I want people to see me as is the one where when we're in rehearsal, you know, we're in rehearsal, we can still, you know, joke and we can still have a good time and get along. But, you know, when it comes down to it, if I say focus, we got to focus, right. you know, but the second rehearsal is over, you know, we can be friends outside of rehearsal. Okay. We can hang out. Let's, you know, let's go get a drink. I want to know you as a person. It'll help me work better with you as your stage manager. If I understand who you are as a human being, I think that it is easier to build that rapport with people within your age group. Mm-hmm. So it has been interesting show to show right. how that approach has worked. Well, you're still still working it out. So. Yes, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> I'll talk to you again in like five, ten years, and we'll see what kind Maybe of... Maybe I'll know by then. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. Well, there's another uh, trajectory for stage managers, which is there's several stage managers in town who have gone on to direct. Is that something that you see yourself doing or would like to pursue at some point? I can see how they get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you sit next to a director for that long and you see how they work and you get, you know, you become as familiar as they are with the script and the piece itself, uh, it's hard to not start making suggestions, which is not your job as a stage manager, <laughs> um, unless that's something you establish, you know, before you even start rehearsals. Right. It's something that lately I've started considering just because there are shows that I really love that I think would work well at Firehouse. Mm-hmm. But being the resident stage manager, I don't think directing and stage managing at the same time is a very good idea. Right. Because stage managing is already a bear and yeah. <laughs> directing is its own bear. Right. And I don't want to take on two bears at once. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's three Sleep- bears and you're a fairy tale and there's... It's- Sleeping is fun sometimes. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, I am looking forward to seeing how this all plays out for you personally and for Preludes. It seems like a fascinating project and glad to have you on board. And Thank you. Break a leg. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. That was episode 14 of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, We're very excited to continue doing these podcasts and blogs and other Firehouse Forum events here at Firehouse. Please come to our website, firehouseforum.org, or to the main Firehouse website, firehousetheaterre.org, to get more information, buy tickets for our upcoming shows. Uh, You'll want to make plans now to see preludes in a limited run, great cast, and as you heard from our guest today, very interesting, uh, challenging, exciting production. So we will see you next week on the Firehouse Forum Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. 